The right one, Bernie, to win. Washing your hands. Planting seeds for after 2020. And why the Second Amendment is vital. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent, the French accent, and you stay for the principles. And today, wow, we have a lot to discuss because is it possible? Just, I want to just start off the show with a question. Is it possible y'all can have one week in your country where just there's nothing to talk about? Because there's so much going on and things have changed in your country so much in the last week. It is incredible. And today I want to kind of break one of my unwritten rules in that I want to talk about a very a lot of politics. And a lot of politics that's going on in your country right now. But I don't want to do this in the sense of, hey, I'm going to tell you how to vote or what to think. I want to look at what's happening in your politics right now and try and remind you of history and of principles, because that's my job. You know, one of the most frustrating things for me as an outsider, and this is not just an American problem, this is an Irish problem, an English problem, a worldwide problem, is so many people today seem to have forgotten history. You know, we live in this world of instant gratification where it's like, boom, I want it. Click your fingers, boom, I want it. And if it involves any, even two seconds of thought, we don't do it. It's we want it now, 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 now. And it seems to me that so many people think history literally starts today. That things haven't happened before us. And I want to use... A thing that happened last weekend and the weekend before is a prime example. Just to remind you of this. And I want to talk to you about both left and right. The first one is about my friends on the right. Last Sunday, or Saturday, Donald Trump spoke at CPAC. And Donald Trump, as if you've watched of any of Donald Trump's speech, you know, he's he's not the type of person, whether you like him or hate him or think this is great or bad, but he, factually, he's not the type of person to get up and just read the teleprompter word for word. He does go off the cuff a bit. And I don't know whether this part was off the cuff or not, but he asked a question. He, he surveyed the audience at CPAC. You know, who did they want to see him run against in 2020? Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders? By the reaction, the overwhelming favorite was Bernie Sanders they wanted him to run against. The weekend prior was the South Carolina primary, and there were Republicans there who were openly going, we're voting for Bernie Sanders just to annoy the left, but also because we want this debate. Now let's ask ourselves a question, shall we? First off, just a a simple principle question on voting in another person's primary. Is that... A good thing? Is that a a principal position for the right to hold? Is that something we can be proud of? Is that something that 
is that just a political game? Is that some principle we can talk about? Is that something we should be proud of? Or should it be best left to, you know, if you're a Democrat, you vote in the Democratic primary. If you're a Republican, you vote in the Republican primary. Can it everything or anything in this world not be about political games and be about principles? But that's not what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about this idea that Bernie Sanders is who you want to face in 2016. And I want to remind you of, I don't know, like, if you're under 60, you're not going to remember this history. I'm going to be honest with you. But I want to take you uh, back in the time machine. We're going to get that DeLorean. And I'm going to remind you of history of elections in your country. And ask you, is this really what you want? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take two stops on this trip through history. The first one is we're going to go all the way back. Now, again, if you're under 60 or 70 or maybe 80, you won't remember this election. But the first stop we're going to do is we're going to get into our DeLorean. We're going to get onto to Doc and say, Doc, I want you to type in November 2016. Again, if you're under 60 or 70, you won't remember this election. But I want you to go all the way back, all the way, 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 way back to November 2016. And for all the kids listening out there, you won't know who was in this election because no one teaches election history anymore. But this was an election that was rather historic for many different reasons. But this was an election between a person called Donald Trump and a person called Hillary Clinton. And again, you won't know who Hillary Clinton was because she's utterly forgettable. Because, you know, history has, you know, remembers winners and losers and Hillary Clinton was just eh, utterly forgettable. But in this election, Donald Trump won in 2016 and became president. Now, open the lead up into that election, it wasn't always so that Donald Trump was going to win the election. There were a lot of polls. And I know my friends on the right today don't like polls. They're like, oh, all these polls were unreliable. If you actually look at the numbers of the polls, the polls are pretty accurate in 2016. <gasps> Did I just say that? Yes, I said that. Factually, the polls are pretty accurate in 2016. If you had been a popular vote person, the Le- Hillary Clinton would have won, and therefore, then the polls would have been accurate. But you don't do elections by popular vote. You do things by the Electoral College. Hence why the polls numbers were right or close within the margin of error. And the election result was different. But in that election, there were many things that happened. There were many th- different issues. You know, Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump. Donald Trump's a businessman. Can he be good? Can he be a president? You know, there was all these accusations made. Hillary Clinton had issues from her primary opponent, Bernie Sanders. She was seen as, you know, corrupt, dirty, sleazy, uh, um, not honest, unprincipled. The Clinton machine had has changed from the early, the late 1990s when Bill Clinton was president. And that election was looking like Hillary Clinton was going to win all the way till about two weeks before the election. And then America had an election surprise. Because on two weeks, the Friday two weeks before the election, the FBI announced a bombshell. And that bombshell was they were going to look into and investigate Hillary Clinton's emails. Now, is this the reason Donald Trump won the election? Nope. But we can debate and discuss, if you want, the impact of this, of whether it actually changed the result of the election. Would Donald Trump have won anyway? Possibly. Maybe. We don't know. 
was Donald Trump going to win whether this investigation came out or not? Would he have won Beatner because of the policies or the principles? Who knows? But I think it's easy to say, and I don't think you can argue against this, that that had some type of impact. Because even if you listen to Hillary Clinton, and God knows she has plenty of excuses why she lost that election, you ask her, she'll, she, and chances are she's pretty good, she'll come up with a new excuse. There were a lot of people in that Democratic primary who voted for Bernie Sanders who were not exactly thrilled about voting for Hillary Clinton in the general election. And I would ask you, do you think there's a good chance, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 people who were Bernie Sanders' hardcore supporters who looked at Hillary Clinton and went, I'll hold my nose for her just because, hey, I don't want Donald Trump. And then this announced, this announcement came out and they went, you know what? I can never vote for Donald Trump, but I, I, I just going to skip this election. This had an impact. I don't see how you can say, argue the size of it or discuss the size of it. But I think it's clear to all it had an impact. That's stop one. Now let us get back into that DeLorean and get Doc Brown to put in another date. And again, if you were 60 or 70 for 2016, my God, you must have been 100 for the next election stop. Because it's so long ago. It's, it's a lifetime in politics. And I want you to get to Doc Brown and I want you to go into November 2012. And again, for you kids, because you don't know history, that election was between one President Barack Obama and everyone's favorite senator of the day, Mitt Romney. Well, what happened in that election? Well, actually, two things happened in that election that were rather significant, and I want to talk to you about both. The first was two weeks again. Two weeks seems to be a common theme. Two weeks before the 2012 election, something happened. Something actually really tragic happened in America. It was Superstorm Sandy. And there was a lot of devastation in New York and New Jersey. People's lives are ruined. But what happened in the aftermath of Super Sandy was what conservatives and people on the right called the great loving and French kiss between Chris Christie, who was a Republican governor of New Jersey, and then President Barack Obama. He basically gave him this big bear hug and pretty much offered a lot, a lot of praise about Barack Obama. There were people on the right who said at the time, you basically screwed Mitt Romney. You cost him this election. Now again, was Barack Obama going to win anyway? Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Could Mitt Romney have won? Sure. Did this help? I don't think it helped. Did it hurt? Again, that's up for your opinion. That's first stop on this election. The second stop happened about four weeks prior. On the debate stage. And there was a moderator of the day. And, you know, she was the first moderate, female moderator there. And her name was Candy Crowley. And she inserted herself incorrectly into the debate. There was an exchange on foreign policy between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. And Mitt Romney had Barack Obama on the ropes. Because back then there was an act of terror. One of the most egregious acts which happened on one of America's most solemn days. It was the attacks at Benghazi on September 11th. And it took the Obama administration 14 full days to utter the words, an act of terrorism. And Barack Obama said, no, no, we didn't. We did it the next day in the Rose Garden. 
Mitt Romney said, can we have that on the record? I want that on the record, just to be sure. And then he said, I can't believe this. this. It took you 14 days to utter those words. And Candy Crowley cut across him, where all the people for watch to go, actually, Senator, he did say that the day after. Now, they corrected themselves after the debate. But if you know anything about politics, you understand this, that most people watch the debate. They don't watch the afterwards. It's like all these news sites who run these articles. And then all of a sudden, they issue in a correction afterwards. Guess what? The amount of people who see the correction compared to the actual article originally is minuscule. They do this for a reason. That had a major impact on that debate. And a pretty significant, I would argue, impact on the American people in voting for Barack Obama. Now, would these results have been any different? Again, that's for political sciences. And for you guys, if you want to discuss this and say, you know, did it have an impact? Would it sway the election either way? I bring these up not to talk about 2016 and not to talk about 2012, but to talk about 2020. Look, there are many reasons I don't like any of the politicians running. If you understand where I come from, in a believer of the Constitution, believer in free markets, a believer in that George Washington morals and standards are what made America exceptional, and that I believe we all need to follow those, it's pretty clear those set of principles are not on display in the right or the left today. There is no humility. There is no quietness. There is no meekness. There is no principles. There is no great love for the Constitution in either party. Sorry, that's actually wrong. Let me fact check myself. There's great love to speak of the Constitution when it suits both left and right. But when it comes to actually following the Constitution, when it comes to government in any sector, whether it's uh, Congress, whether it's the House, whether it's the Senate, whether it's the Presidency, whether it's the Supreme Court, nah. When you understand free market economics, whether you like me or not, that's who I am. I don't have any great love for any of these politicians. But also, it's not my job to love politicians. My job is to remind you of history. But you can say things about Donald Trump, good or bad. You can even say things about Joe Biden, good or bad. Michael Bloomberg, good or bad. I'm not here to fact check you. I'm just saying, this is what you can do. But Bernie Sanders is a totally different fish. He's a different cast. This guy's a revolutionary. Is that something you're willing to risk? Is that something you're willing to risk in your elections? That you think just because he's easy for Trump to beat, in your opinion, that you're totally outruling that there's no two-week election surprise. There's no bombshell. In 2019, I would still disagree, and I would still highlight these two issues, the 2012 and the 2016 election. I would still say be very careful. In 2019, you might get away with it because things were, you know, relatively quiet apart from the fake scandals that the media wanted to talk about. Brett Kavanaugh and his drinking and his groping and, oh, whatever else. What other issues we talked about? Donald Trump's tweeting. But we're now in March 2020. And you have situations where there is this virus, and we're going to talk about it in the next segment, the coronavirus which is going to have a major impact on the world, whether you actually are afraid for your life, that you think you might die, that you might catch this disease or not, is irrelevant. This is going to have an impact on society, on the pure economics, where people are no longer traveling. And if people are no longer traveling, it's going to hurt tourism. Because what? Hotels are not going to be sleeped in. Restaurants are not going to be ate in. 
pubs are not going to be drinking. Activities are not going to be done. That affects the, the local economy. That affects those businesses. The frightening thing about the economics of this is we are now at the start of March. Every business, whether you're big or small, with the exception of one or two, whether you're you know, printing these masks or something, the vast majority of businesses in America, in Ireland, in England, in Europe, in Australia, in Asia, are literally thinking this year is a dead year. Just survive. This is March. March. What do you again? What do you believe the coronavirus is, is the next great pandemic or not? Is irrelevant. The impact economically is going to hurt everyone. You saw it last week on the stock market. There's a lot of fear out there. You're going to start seeing it as people are being laid off from their jobs. This is the environment that you're in right now, and you're willing to roll the dice and go, "Yep, just give me Bernie Sanders because I know he tr- he can't win and he can't beat Trump." Now you may be right. Maybe Bernie Sanders hasn't got a hope of beating Donald Trump. But is that something you really want to risk? If you are on the right, I speak very clearly to you on this. You say socialism is bad. You say socialism kills. And yet you're willing to risk a 50-50 shot that that outcome might come to America. I'm not here to tell you you're wrong or to shame you if you wanted Bernie Sanders or if you think he's an easier victory an easier defeat for Donald Trump. I'm here to say one thing to you. Be very careful what you wish for. Because you might just get it. We release a new show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. If you want to go to theblaze.com slash podcast, check us out there. Subscribe on your flavor platform. There's direct links there. Also, if you happen to listen on Apple iTunes, please leave us a rating. Or not a rating. The rating system's gone. Um, just a review. It helps new people find us. And also, while you're there at the Blaze on the podcast section, check out other shows. There's a lot of other talented hosts. Um, whether you like them or not, there's a lot of different opinions on the Blaze and you know, you can choose who you listen to. I want to talk to you about our world for a minute, because I want to talk to you about the coronavirus. And again, I want to talk to you about history. You know, one of the things that amazes me about our world right now is we are constantly advancing. Look at the things that we do today that we take for granted that 10 years ago, five years ago, would have been outrageous, would have been like crazy talk. We would look at those people as kind of going, hey, you're a flat earther. You know all those people? Look how much we've advanced. Look at all the technology we have. You know, part of the amazing thing is, and I shared some of these stories over the last couple of months with you, you know, people going to space, people finding the cure for cancer, all this research, all these innovations. It's incredible. You know, if you ever just want to look at, at around at the world and all, oh, just look at your phone. Just look at all the things you could do. And I know if you're 16, 17, 18, you're like, my phone always kind of did these type of things. It's got more advanced, sure, but it always did these things. Back in the day, you know, when our telephone, when you said, hey, I'm on the phone, it didn't mean a mobile. It mean the one phone that you had in the house. in Generally in a general living area that anyone could hear your call. 
It's amazing how much we've advanced. Yet in some ways, it's also, as inspiring as it is how much we've advanced, it's also scary in the fact of how little we have advanced. Sure, we can advance technology-wise and innovation-wise, but as people, do we really advance? I want to share some history with you. Because I can see a lot of bad things on the horizon. And they're only bad in the sense of, if we don't know history, and if we don't know the signs, we won't be able to identify them. But I want to share some history with you. And this is actually a genuine a long time ago. This is even before I was born. And this is from a part of the world, sadly, I know oh too well. With a problem, I know oh too well. And it's Europe. And between 1348, Jesus, I nearly said 1948, 1348 and 1351, Europe had a major issue. In fact, they had one major issue that led to several other issues. That issue was what we call the Black Plague. A lot of people died from the Black Plague. And this led to a problem in society. One problem was a lot of people were dying, and as you can see with the coronavirus, the panic it caused. Now imagine that in 1348, and the impact that would have in small communities. People not being able to work. People dying. The impact on farming, on agriculture, on food, on soldiers. But secondly, it caused another problem. And that problem was, it highlighted once again, something that the world has never learned. It's made, this plague made the Jews a scapegoat. Because back then, a lot of people who died in Europe were not Jewish. And because this world, if there is a rhyme in the history of this world, there's certain things that reoccur over and over and over again. Government been bad. Government killing people. Government telling people what to do. And government I use very loosely. It can be a democratic government. It can be a, a tyran- tri- tyrannical government. Or it could be a monarch. But they rhyme through history. You also see a history of man beating up other man. And just because we live in 2020, we have to be very clear what we say. When I say man beating up man, I mean man as humans. I don't mean man and not women. Men have done horrific things. Men have done horrific things to men and men have done horrific things to women. But we also have a common theme in this world where we make scapegoats of the Jews because it's all the Jews' fault. It's all the Jews' fault. What's the problem? Oh, that's the Jews' fault. It seems to be in some circles. It's kind of like me. You know, I'm like, I'm always like, should the government, you don't need to finish that sentence. Nope. The other people, it's like, hey, we have a problem. That's the Jews. The Jews. They own the media. They own Hollywood. They own the banks. The greedy, filthy Jew. Well, they were made the scapegoats and they were targeted and businesses were burnt. Businesses were rioted and Jews were killed. Why? Because they didn't get sick. Now, again, Because this might shock you, the history books of 1348 to 1351 are not exactly, you know, I don't know how to say this, up to date. And, you know, we don't have first-hand knowledge of what happened. But one of the historical reasons that the Jews didn't get sick was because they have certain rituals. They have certain rituals, and I'm going to butcher these words, and I'm going to talk to you about some of those rituals. 
Because there was two of them. One of them is Nettie Lass Yadayim. Again, I've butchered it. I apologize. I, I, am, I should not learn to speak English. Actually, I should learn to speak English. It would be a, an improvement on what I speak at the minute. And what this ritual is, it's basically washing your hands before you eat and how you wash them. The second ritual they had was koamerts, which is our version or a modern-day version of spring cleaning. One of the things the Jews had a ritual of is washing your hands before you eat. You see many examples of this in the Bible. Yeah, and whether you believe in the Bible, whether you're a Christian or a Jew, you see the examples of this. Washing your hands is so incredibly important. But also one of the reasons they didn't get sick was because they spring cleaned. Because this is a maths equation. I'm going to break this down in mathematical terms for you. This is very scientific because I'll try and keep up. When you spring clean, it means you have less dirt in your house. Got me? With me so far? This is amazing. I actually copied this from a website, by the way. I found this hilarious. This explanation rather funny and rather like this. You have to explain this, but apparently you do. When you do spring cleaning means you have less dirt. Less dirt equals less rats. Again, it's 1348. Less rats equals less rat fleas. Less rat fleas equals less bacteria, which equals to less sickness. We have advanced so much in our world. Yet today in 2020, we are still been telling people how to wash our hands correctly. And how to remind people that when you're in a restroom and you're doing things, and I'll say this in the most politically correct way I can, whether you do a number one or a number two, or you do none, you wash your hands. As someone who is a male and who only ever goes into the male toilets, it would be, I don't know whether this would shock many people, but it it sure shocks me as I'm in the toilet and I watch people do number one or come out from this cubicle of number two and then proceed just to walk right out the door. I've seen people who work in centers, who literally go do their business and then leave. It's 2020. We have all this advancements. We have all this technology. Yet we still need to teach people how to wash our hands. Surely this is something we learn as, I don't know, what, a one-year-old, a six-month-old, a two-year-old, three-year-old? Hey, before you eat, wash your hands. Hey, before you shake someone's hand, wash your hands. Hey, before you put your face to your eye, make sure your hands are clean so you're not like, oh, there's a lump of mud on my hand there. Oh, that's a lot. Oh, my hands are filthy. Oh, my God, I'm just going to rub my eye. It's 2020, gang. We still have to remind us. One of the signs, and I don't know whether you guys have it in America, but we sure have it over here, is when you go into a restroom of a staff restroom, it's, staff, please wash your hands before you go back to work. It's a health and safety nose. Surely this is obvious. Surely this is, file this under the, but it's 2020. We have to do it. There's another leaflet over here because of this coronavirus. It's called, cover your mouth before you sneeze, or when you sneeze, or when you cough. Again, surely this is stating the obvious. What's so frustrating to me is, one, we advance so much. And yet, when it comes to basic things, we're less than kindergartens. We're so immature. We're so stupid. We need to be told these things. If these things were so common, why are people not doing them? 
This is part of the problem why government is involved in every aspect of your life. Why? Because we don't do it ourselves. We're not self-responsible. I share this story with you because I want you to remind you of what the history is. Because I see a lot of the old enemies coming back. I see a lot of people who are angry at the Jews for many different reasons. It's not cool to be pro-Israel today. It's not cruel to be pro-Jewish. And also I say this, and let me just speak to my own quote-unquote side of the aisle. There are certain factors of Christianity where it is not cool to be Jewish. Or cool to be friendly with Jews. It's time we understand the old histories of the past. And it's time we fight them yet again. And finally put them back into the ash heap of history where they belong. But I want to talk to you about the coronavirus for a few minutes. Because I, I've, I haven't been online, as you guys know very much, but I've been online to do a bit of research the last couple of days. And I see, I scroll through my Twitter, I scroll through Facebook. And I've seen a lot of people go, this is a hoax, this coronavirus. It's, it's blown out of proportion. Really? We have to be very careful. I get the frustration of it's all a big deal and look at how many people die because of, you know, falling off ladders and how many people die from coughing and choking and stuff. I get it. And we have to put this into context. But when it comes to something that can kill you, for me, there's only two positions you can take. You can be blasé or like, eh, I don't care and run the risks or you can be overcautious. Which, as a general rule of principle, do you think is a good best for long-term viability of your life? I've always been one that sometimes, in certain aspects, especially when it comes to health, it's always better to be overcautious and proved wrong. But also, to understand that people have lost their lives about this. People have lost their lives around the world. Can we not be so cold about it? Can we not like, hey, I know someone who died, but yeah, it's all a hoax. It's all overblown. It's all media driven. Can we have an understanding that, yes, someone died? But also the stats. I've seen people, oh, this is just a flu. It's just a normal flu. The numbers don't bear that out. Again, I know this might be popular to say, but it's not. The flu kills roughly one in 1,000 people. Still way too many, but roughly that's what it kills. This kills two to three in a hundred. That's a big difference. I know like we're talking about one in a thousand and two and three in a hundred. It doesn't seem like that much of a difference. It's only one zero and an extra one or two. But it is a big difference when it comes to numbers. This is something that we all need to deal with. Now, do I think it's been blown out of proportion? To a certain extent, yes. It's just the latest media story that everyone wants to talk about it's the latest creation oh my god the coronavirus but guess what we're causing this because the media only print what you want to hear and left and right if you stop talking about it or stop wanting to know about it or stop clicking on the articles they'd stop writing about it but the more you click on it the more different articles because you want to find out more information more information what's the latest update of course, you're telling them, hey, I'm hitting on all these websites. I'm cl- hitting on the coronavirus a lot from CNN, from MSNBC, from Fox News. I want to know what they all want to say. And guess what? 
then they write more articles, which then cause more clicks and more likes and more shares on Facebook. And they're driven by traffic. But also, I want to talk to you about a principle that really frustrates me that we need to talk about. So whether you live in America, whether you live in Ireland, whether you live in England, whether you live in Europe, there's panic buying going on right now. We're all panicking buying all these different stuff. I heard there's a shortage of toilet roll in America, which, (laughs) guys, you can't eat toilet roll. (laughs) Also, guys, if you have no food, you don't need toilet roll. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying. But why does it take an emergency to panic buy? Why does it take an emergency for you to actually get serious about preparation? Why? Why does it take that? What can we do to break it down? This is not a left-right thing or a young-old thing. This is a, What can we break down this principle to go, you know what? No matter what happens, it shouldn't take the coronavirus for you to get, hey, you know what? Maybe we should get a bit of you know food and storage. You know, you guys are lucky over there. You have, like, food storage that lasts 25 years. Over here, we don't really have that. So, literally, I go to the shops and I buy baked beans, tuna, peanut butter. You know, things that last a long time. That if I have to be in the house a week, two weeks, a month, that we have them. I have loads of water. Because I'm, I'm, I'm like a fish. I drink lots of water. But what do we need to do to actually break this down to people and go, you know what? Prepping is a good thing. Prepping is a good thing. Been prepared. Whether it's it's a prepared in financial aspects, you know, having a bit of money, savings. It's not like, hey, I got a lot of money. I got paid this week. Let's go spend all my money. Let's save money. Let's live it in our means. Let's save some for a rainy day. Let's have food. Let's have some medicine. If you can have some fuel lying around as well, let's do that. Let's have a plan that if something goes wrong, we're prepared. Why does it take the coronavirus to help you get prepared. And I want to finish up on the coronavirus by asking you one question. You want to know the difference between me and the way I see the world and a lot of other people, whether it's left or right today? The coronavirus is a perfect understanding of it. You know, I've seen people, whether you're left or right, whether you love Trump or hate Trump, whether you're conservative or libertarian, well, not really libertarian, but more conservative or a Trump conservative today, a MAGA person, a liberal, you all have one thing in common, which is a perfect difference to what people like me have. Everyone at some point has uttered, what's the government doing? What's Trump doing to fix this? What's the Democrats doing? What's the Republicans? What's DC doing? What's the local government doing? What's the Irish government doing? What's the UN doing? What's the World Health Organization doing? Why is it always up to government? Why is it always up to government? Where are, where are our roles? Why do we always look pointing the finger and going, hey, what are, you, what are you doing to fix this problem? What are you doing to fix it? I don't know, I'm asking you. Your government, you, you're, you're, you're elected, you should fix this, right? No. We must fix it. We must fix it. And we must break things down and start sharing it with our fellow man our fellow brothers and sisters, whether they love us or hate us, whether they agree with us or disagree with us. So elections happen in your country this week, huh? Wow, what a... 
You know, I, I love politics and I love watching elections and I love digging down into the numbers and stuff. I know I don't talk about it much on this show because it's not my job. But your your elections this year have been incredible. You know, if there's one thing I think everyone needs to take away from your elections is nothing is for granted. Nothing is secure. Everything can happen. There, you know, no alternatives are off the table. You know, if you said two weeks ago Joe Biden would be here where he is right now, it'd be incredible. But I want to talk to you about the future of your country. I know, shocker, right? I never do that. If we are to sell, save your country, it's going to involve some tough truths. And it's going to involve you not pointing the finger at the other side all the time. And I want to talk to you about this for a second, because I want to talk to you about something that happened in your country last weekend. And this is a bit of inside baseball for you guys. In some circles, the pundits on America's right are a joke. I'm not going to name names because it's not my job and I don't want to get involved in it, but you all know who they are. You know, this idea that I love the people on the right, and there's some who work on this network, by the way, who love to call the left snowflakes. Oh, they're snowflakes. They wilt away at the first sign of a, of reason logic debate. Really? The right are just like that. You don't toe the line. You don't join in the cool crowd. And usually one of two things will happen to you. If you're someone like me and you're small enough, they'll either ignore you or they'll just put out some rumor about you and destroy you. Destroy your reputation so no one will want to work with you. If you're lucky enough to have, you know, a big name recognition, a big platform, they will use every opportunity to show you how petty they are and to disrespect you at every opportunity. Something happened last weekend. I want to highlight this. Not to talk about it, but just to highlight how petty the right are. Glenn Beck. The founder, the creator, the visionary of the blaze. Whether you love him or hate him, you cannot deny the impact he has had on this industry. You know, it's now common... For people to look at their phones and look at different news articles and different news sites and different news videos and have different platforms, which are all different, very good. Glenn Beck was the first to do it. He was a disruptor. He was an innovator. Again, you don't have to like him. You think you can think Glenn Beck is the worst human being alive. You can think everything he says is wrong. You can think he sucks. But you can't deny his impact on this industry. This industry is formed and, and shaped in many ways by Glenn and what he has done at the blaze. And look what's happened now. Last week's CPAC, the CPAC 2020, it had a website of all the speakers and it had a list of every speaker at it and their title or what they're known for. So you had a lot of president's administration there. They all got their title, you know, head of this department, head of that department, you know, liaison to the president. You had many different shows, what they were people were known as. You had people show names under them. Under Glenn Beck, what was there? Media personality. Now, I know a lot of people, because I shared this on Facebook, said, oh, what's the big deal? It's a name. You know, what title would you give him? 
Would you give the same title to, you know, Roger Ailes when he cre- helped create Fox News? Rupert Murdoch? Would you give that title? Just Oh, you're just a media personality. You don't even have your own show. The reason for this, and this is inside baseball, is because the people on the right who are in punditry are so petty, are so false, are so fake, that if you don't agree with everything they say, and don't get on the right trains, you will never ever be forgiven for it. Now this is what I want to talk to you about. I don't want to talk to you about Glenn or CPAC. That's just what happens in this industry. We need to talk about the future. Because we're going to have to start asking ourselves questions. Because what happened in this election, in the primary this week, was incredible. Joe Biden, all of a sudden, came back to life. I I don't know who bred life into him or who gave him the... But my God, he woke up. He woke up so much that he didn't even have to campaign in states or do ads in states. He just won them. It was like magic. From a political point of view, I don't see how Bernie Sanders can win. Mathematically, how he can win. Unless Joe Biden like collapses or says something horrifically bad. And I mean, like, it won't just be a little, you know, Freudian slip or a little gaff, because the media will cover from. It will have to be horrifically bad. And then people will still have to fall away. Because Bernie Sanders has to win this outright. It cannot go to a, convinc- convinc- a contested convention. Any type of kit- contested convention, whether Bernie's up or Bernie's down, Bernie ain't winning. Bernie could be two delegates short, he ain't winning. Now, the questions in your politics boil down to the left and the right. And how people talk to each other. The question for Bernie Sanders is, how is he going to react to this loss? And maybe the more important question is, how are the people who support him react to this loss? Because if you watch the Project Veritas videos out there, there's videos of them going, we're, you know, burn it down. We're going to, you know, should basically pull out journalists and shoot them on the streets. There's a lot of this type of language out there. How are they going to react? If they feel he's been screwed... What's going to happen? Also, Bernie Sanders, this is incredible. He is 79 in September. I know in American politics, and Joe Biden is the proof of this because of what happened this week, you should never say never, but I don't see how there's any chance in hell Joe Biden, or sorry, uh, Bernie Sanders runs at 83. He's 79 now. There is no long game for Bernie Sanders on the laws of averages. What does he do? The idea of him never, ever really getting power. What, how will that settle in his soul? Will he become even more radical? But also, we need to understand what happens next. But I'll come back to that point in a second. To my friends on the rice, it's wake-up time. And when I say this, I don't say this as a slam or an insult or any other way this will be taken. I mean this just purely from a factual point of view. Donald Trump's term at the top of your politics is nearly over. What, do I think he's going to lose in 2020? No. It's too early to talk about 2020, the general election. But even if he wins in 2020, he's a lame duck president. It might take a year, it might take two years. 
The minute he's re-elected, Donald Trump is gone. Yeah, you can support him. Yeah, you can like him. Yeah, you can love him. Yeah, you can shout MAGA baby. But you need to start thinking, what's next? Who's next in 2024? You vote right because of Donald Trump not being able to run again and left with Bernie Sanders. Have a chance and have an opportunity to start thinking and reflecting on what is really important to you. What is really important to you? And as we've spoken about on the past on this show, what seeds do you want to start planting? Because it's too, it's not possible to get to 2022 and 2023 and then start going, oh, wait, we have a primary election in 2024 next year. What do we need to do? If you're concerned about the country right now, whether you're left or right, top or bottom, black or white, gay or straight, now is the start time to start thinking about the future. Now is the time to go, hey, what seeds do we want to plant? Which is what I want to talk to you about on the rice. It's time to ask yourself, what seeds do you want to plant? What a country do you want it to be? And I don't mean this vision to be shaped in 2020 by Trump or not Trump or Trump winning or Trump losing. I mean, what vision do you want to start planting? Do you want to continue on this road where it's just left versus right, Democrat versus Republican? Do you want to just be this country that's built around politics? Do you want to be a country that is built around, well, it's just the lesser of two evils? Do you want to be a country that is built around destroying your enemies? Do you want to be a country that is built around not liking people who dare have a different opinion to you? Or do you want to actually take a step back, look in the mirror, and go, what's important? Why do I love America? Do I love America because of her exceptional history? Do I love America because of the words, all men are created equal? Do I love America because I believe all man, whether you're man, woman, black, white, gay, straight, has the right to pursue their happiness? And if they pursue their happiness and they're successful, have a right to keep the fruits of her labor. And I mean all of her labor. I don't mean, oh, well, you know, you got to pay 20% or 30% tax. That's the difference between left and right. I mean, keep the fruits of your labor. Do you believe in the Constitution? Do you believe in limited governments? Do you believe in Article 1, Article 2, Article 3 of the Constitution? Do you believe in limited government and the idea of federalism? Do you believe in the idea of free markets? Now, I know a lot of people are going to hear this and going to go, wow, you're going after Trump. I'm not going after anyone. I'm talking about the future. What country do you want to be part of? Do you want to be part of the country that starts looking for a brighter tomorrow and not just merely existing? Do you want to be part of a country that believes in the Reagan mantra of the most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I don't care whether it's Republican-led government, Democratic-led government, Libertarian-run government. It's all government. Do you want to talk and believe in a country that believes in the laws of nature, nature's law and nature's God? But also, do you want to reaffirm the idea of George Washington? The idea and the principles of George Washington, the way he lived his life. Is that a country you want to be?
America, you're going to be at a crossroads soon, left and right. The time is to start asking these questions is now. But also the time to start having bold conversations is now. Because I hear people on the right talk about socialism killing. It's time to ask their friends on the left go, hey, so you don't like Bernie Sanders. You don't like different aspects of what he stands for. What is it about him that's so bad? Where does he go wrong? Where does his policies go wrong? And then ask ourselves the questions to the left, well, why would you want them anyway? And discuss principles. Don't discuss the Republican answer. Discuss the principle point of view, kind of going, well, why should government be involved there anyway? Why should government be there? Why should government do that? Where does government get that power? Where does government get that authority? But also understand and find common themes that, you know what, socialism does kill. Because it leads to communism and Marxism. It does hurt people. It has a horrific history. But all government has that history. And the aspect to understand is all government is inherently bad because it takes rights from people. It infringes on people's rights. Does the right believe in those rights? Does the right believe in the aspect of limited government? We need to start having these ask questions with each other and have bold conversations and understand that, you know what, sometimes it's going to make us very uncomfortable and we're not going to like the answers. But we have two choices. This is a great opportunity to start thinking not about 2020, but 2024, 2028, 2032, and what country America is going to be. Or we can just continue on the path of their left. Their left are the problem. The right are the problem. The left are all socialist hippies. The right are all racist Nazis and KKK supporters. Where does that get anybody? Choice is yours. I'm not an American. I'll only be on the sideline cheering you on, hoping you choose wisely. finish up today's show by sharing a story with you and this is actually based on what happens in real life I want you to think it's it's a Monday evening it's about 10pm you're at home with your daughter and it's a typical Monday you've just finished the first day because Monday's always the fun day in work I don't know if you all know that you're tired, you know, you're wishing, oh man, it's only Monday night, I wish it was Friday night. You're probably thinking about maybe what you're going to do this weekend, you know, catch up with some friends, go to the movie. Can't believe they've cancelled James Bond till November. I'm bummed about that, but I know why they did it. But you're sitting there thinking about what you're going to do. Maybe it's March, you're starting to think about, you know, summer vacation, baby. You know, where are we going to go? And your daughter's in bed, upstairs. You think she's asleep, but she's not. Let's be honest, it's only 10 o'clock. It's too early to go to sleep, Dad. It's the way it is. I don't want to go to sleep. That's always funny. You never want to go to sleep, but then when it comes to alarm bell next morning, it's like, oh, I don't want to get up. I want to sleep. Why couldn't you have done that last night? At 10 o'clock when I wanted you to go to sleep, this is when you sleep. But you're at home and you're just watching a bit of telly. And then all of a sudden, you hear this thumping noise. And it's banging. And it sounds really close to you. 
And because technology in 2020 is so wonderful, you know, the old days of, oh, there's some banging outside, I better go out and look and see what happens. And you got to get out of your recliner. You got to, oh, got to get out of the recliner. Oh. And then you got to go to the front door and you got to open the front door and you got to go, hey, what's going on out here? Because we live in 2020, you have cameras outside your house for protection. And instead of getting out of the recliner, you literally have that horrifically hard job of literally moving your right hand or your left hand, if you're left handed, your right hand going to the table and picking up your mobile phone and you know, again, because it's 2020 and we have all this technology, you don't have to put in a password or say anything. You literally just put your thumbprint on the phone. It opens up. And you click on the app that has security camera. And you go, hey, what the hell's going on inside? And you have this thumping. Bang! 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 What's going on? And you switch on your camera. And you see four men in ski masks outside your door. All wearing camo armed with machetes and they're trying to break in because of these noises this banging this thumping your daughter has now come downstairs and you see on the video because you can hear them they look in your window trying to see what's going on and they say there's a little girl inside Now, I want you to think and visualize that's you right now. And because I'm a genie and I have magic powers, all you have to do is click your fingers and I will appear and I will give you a gun. I don't care whether you're left or right or top or bottom, black or white, gay or straight. Do you know anyone who would not take that gun? If I appeared with a gun, is there anyone you know, regardless of whether they voted for Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump, they'll go, hey, no, I don't need that, buddy. No, no, don't give me that. That's dangerous. This right here is a story that happened last week in Yorkshire in the United Kingdom. There's video of it. It's absolutely terrifying. Now, I know I will say this because I I was young once. And also, I'm a big guy and I know how to handle myself. To those guys who are, you know, 20 and macho and me as a younger age, you're going to go, you know what? Screw it. There's four of them. I don't need a gun. I'll take them on by myself. I got two fists. I got a chance. Really? It's easy to think that. It's easy to think we're all, you know... I don't know, Bruce Lee or something, but in reality, you know, four on one does not end well. Sorry, it does end well if you're the four. If you're the one, it usually sucks. And if they have machetes, it could suck permanently, if you know what I'm trying to say. This is why you have a Second Amendment. It has absolutely nothing to do with guns. I'm sick to death of hearing the NRA and all my friends on the right think, oh, it's a right to a gun. No, it's not a right to a gun. You don't have a right to a gun. What you have, if you read the founders, was a right to self-defense. You have a right to defend your property. You have a right to defend your family. You have a right to defend your friends. You have a right to defend yourself. That is nature's law. That is applicable whether you believe in guns, whether you believe in knives, whether you believe in crossbows. Or if we live in a world where Star Trek and Star Wars becomes true and becomes a documentary, 
It is true whether you have phasers, uh, lightsabers, or blasters. It is all true. You have a right to defend yourself. To those who would go, oh, so what, you want to hand people guns and what happens then? They kill people. What would you rather happen? What really frustrates me with some people in the world who do not like guns. They go, oh, well, you know, then if the man has a gun, then, you know, he'll go out and shoot the four people. And is that what you want? No. I want him to have a right to defend himself. If there's guns, they mightn't break in. They might, he'd be at least, if they break in, be able to defend his daughter. But would you rather that he had no gun? Would you rather that we don't believe all men are created equal? That one man has a right to say, you can't own that. In your house, you cannot own this gun. Therefore, you do not have a right. Would you be more comfortable with that and the understanding that maybe, now while this didn't happen this time, on the next occasion, that not only do we have four men breaking in and trying to ransack and burgle a house, that we now have a dead daughter and a dead dad. Would that give you some more comfort? To other people who go, you know what? They should have just rang the police. Yes, ring the police. I'm a big fan of that. But you know what? It's not like we live in Star Trek. It's not like, hey, 999, hey, there's four people trying to break into my house with machetes. Can you come help me? Sure. And then we all tell it, you know, transport up to you. And then the police are there in two seconds. Hey, stop doing that. You're under arrest. No. It can take 8 minutes, 12 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. What are you supposed to do? Go to the burglars going, Hey, I know you're trying to get in here, but I've called the police and they'll be here in about 20 minutes. Would you just mind holding on till they come? And then when they come, you can break in and then we'll, we'll see how this goes. But also, the fundamental question is, he's in his house. Do you have a right to defend your property? I love the people who go, oh, well, you just want violence and you just want people killing each other. No, I really don't want. I'm a Christian. I don't want anyone killing each other. But you know what solves all this problem? If you were right to self-defense, the people who are in the wrong here is not the father, is not the daughter. The people who are in the wrong here are people who are too lazy to do anything about their own lives. And if they spend half their energy they do coming up with these plans to rob other people on creating a better future for themselves legally, they actually might do it. But they just want to take what you don't have but then again this brings me back to politics because that's what politicians do all the time isn't it they take what they didn't earn that's what taxation is maybe maybe just maybe the criminals know the difference between them and politicians is one is legal and one isn't these are the stories we need to start sharing people with people because the second amendment is not a left-right issue It's not a Republican-Democrat issue. It isn't an NRA or Moms for Demand Action or whatever the hell that group is called argument. There's an argument that is boiled down to a core principle. Think of yourself as that father in that house. Does he have a right to defend his property? Does he have a right to say no? Does he have a right to say, you shall not pass. You shall not enter my property. You shall not take what I have worked for. And you shall not harm me, nor my daughter, nor anyone close to me. That is what the Second Amendment is about. And I believe if we can start making the case in these terms, we then can start changing the argument. And then we can start talking principles. 
And then them, those principles are the bedrock, the foundation for what we build our tomorrow on. Because I want to talk to you and just bring everything in this show full circle. What are you talking about? CPAC? Whether you're talking about the resurrection of Joe Biden, whether you're talking about the coronavirus, there's a problem, there's a common theme through this. The world is liquid. The world has no foundations. The world needs foundations. The world needs some principles to be built upon. That's up for debate, what principles you build on. But I think a good place to start, and maybe I'm just biased, But a good place for the world to start looking to principles is the principles of nature's law and nature's God. And that is what I am determined to share with you and everyone who listens and at every opportunity, I guess. Because I may be hurting, I may be going through bad times, I may be worried about the future, but I also see a great opportunity for the future to live freer than ever before if we're willing to work if we're willing to sacrifice, if we're willing to risk it all just as your founders did. And I know the storm clouds are gathering, but we need to believe we are not sunshine patriots. We are winter soldiers. And we will share these principles, whether they are popular or unpopular. Because the beauty of nature's law is it's always true. It's true whether you love it, whether you hate it, what do you ignore it or what do you embrace it? Principles always remain true. I hope today's show has given you plenty to think about. As always, we finish up by saluting your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never ever forget, America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, share this with your family and friends and have a blessed and beautiful week. God bless America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.